And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is, his, that is your neighbor's. Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled, and they stood far off and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us, lest we die. Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Almighty Father, Christians pray and we, we address you as Father, uh, and we do that um, we become very, very accustomed to that. We say, our Father in heaven, and hallowed be your name. And, and it rolls off our tongue as if it were a small thing. Please don't let it be a small thing. That we can call you Father. And Father, we ask that you would father us. As we come to your word, as we consider parents and family and all of those sorts of things, we ask that you would father us by your Holy Spirit. That you would guide us and teach us that you would, uh, through your word and by your spirit, embrace us. That those of us who do not know you, that you would adopt us and bring us to Christ for that adoption. And for those who do know you, that you would renew uh, the sense of your love and, our, and the return of our love to you. So do this now. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, please sit down and uh, turn back to page 7 in your service sheets. Um, we're continuing our series in the Ten Commandments, and we're looking at the Fifth Commandment. We're halfway through the commandments, um, and it's verse 12. Take a look at it. 
uh, honor your father and your mother uh, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Now, in one sense, it's pretty straightforward. Honor your father and mother. Everybody should call your mom. Um, however, I'm curious. I'd love to know, what is it that comes to your mind when you think about that command? And when you hear that command? Um, because I can imagine a number of kind of extreme responses. My guess is that most of us do not fall into these extremes. Probably some of us are in the middle someplace, but I can imagine a number of extremes. On the one hand, I can imagine somebody for whom, um, who get somebody who gets really, really excited about um, anything that sounds like there's a return to maybe we call it traditional family values or something like that. And I can imagine that person hearing this and saying, oh, yes, hooray. I've been waiting for this sermon. Um, uh, what the world needs now is for us to get back to an earlier time, something like that. Now, that's kind of extreme, straw man, but you kind of, do you know what I mean? And then on the other hand, I can imagine somebody having a very, very different response. I can imagine somebody who, who, who sees themselves as, some, as a kind of advocate for individual freedom saying, oh, no. What are we going to talk about now? Because I have lived all my life trying to escape a prison that is often encapsulated in something like a traditional family. Don't send me back. That might be an extreme too, but do you see what I mean? And then there will be many of us, several of us, uh, who have lost our parents. And so even mentioning honoring your father and, mother and your mother brings up uh, some pain. Now here's what I want, here's why I bring this up. This commandment is for all of us. Honor your father and your mother. Uh, but it will be a, both a challenge and a gift to each of us a little bit differently. Uh, for, for those who, who feel very, very comfortable and maybe just a touch nostalgic about something you might call traditional family values, um, to them, this text is going to say something like, you're right that parents are a wonderful, wonderful gift and they should be valued. But on the other hand, this text is also going to come with a challenge. And this text is going to say, but family can become an idol. In fact, did you read the gospel reading where Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to hate your father and your mother and your family. And you're going to have to even hate your own self and follow me. Have you adequately considered that challenge? And then on the other hand, um, to somebody who, who is really, really suspicious about traditional family values or something like that, a kind of an individual freedom advocate, um, it's going to say something like this. You're right that families can often be terribly toxic prisons. And the Bible is not naive about that, and the Bible is not calling you to return to that kind of a prison. This text is, perhaps counterintuitively, aimed at your further freedom and a deeper freedom. My point is, this text has a challenge and a gift for every one of us. And so what I want to ask you to do is all of us to wade into this uh, command, honor your father and your mother, and look for the challenge and for the gift that's particular to you. And I'm going to ask two main questions. One, why should we honor father and mother? And on the other hand, uh, uh, how, how? How do we do it? Why and how? Okay, first of all, why? Now, 
we need to put this uh, command, honor your father and your mother, into a wider biblical context. To do that, go back to the very beginning of the Bible, because parents come up early in the story of the Bible. Uh, If you look at the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, we've talked about this a few times over the last few weeks, you get the story of how God created everything. And after God creates everything, God uh, uh, addresses humanity. God creates uh, humanity, male and female, it says. And then God gives one of his very first commands to humanity. And he says this, be fruitful and multiply. That's where parents come in, in chapter 1 of Genesis. Be fruitful and multiply and have dominion over every living thing. Now, in the Bible, all human authority is rooted in that, at the end of the first chapter of the Bible, have dominion over the world. All good and rich and appropriate and legitimate authority is one way or the other rooted back in that passage, in the biblical framework. But what's interesting for our purposes today is how God specifically addresses, at least, well, addresses uh, human authority in the context of parenthood. God looks at at humanity and says, have families, be parents, and have authority and dominion in the world. These authority and parenthood are linked up right at the very beginning. Now, why is that important? Let me try to explain it this way. According to Genesis, God created humanity with a very particular mission. Uh, Humanity was designed and commissioned to act like his ambassadors within the created world. So it was supposed to go like this. Humanity was supposed to be a, a unique creature that is able to know God very, very well and therefore represent God very, very well. Um, a little bit like an ambassador. An ambassador uh, is supposed to know her own country really, really well and her country's interests. And then that allows that ambassador to represent her country and her country's interests very, very well in another kingdom or another realm, state, whatever. And that's a little bit of the idea of Genesis. Humanity was designed to know God very, very well, and then all, human, all kind of legitimate human authority Um, was wrapped up in a mission that humanity was to represent God well to this world in such a way that it flourishes. And that happens in a lot of different ways in Genesis and throughout the Bible. But one particular way that that was supposed to happen was through parents. In Genesis, God commissions parents and gives parents special authority and a calling to bring forth children into the world, and then to lead them, to have appropriate legitimate authority in their lives, meaning to represent God to those children so that those children can flourish in their physical life and in their spiritual life, so that those children can grow up fundamentally to know God for themselves. Now, let me say the whole thing using a completely different image. Parents were the original priests. Why do I say that? Well, priests are supposed to represent God to other people. And parents were called to do that before anyone else was. Now, this gives us a key 
a clue to why we're supposed to honor our parents. Why should we honor our parents? Well, the original reason is that we are to honor our parents because through them, we come to honor God. We honor the parents so that the parents can act as priests, ambassadors, representatives of God to us. They are meant to bring us to God. Now, think about that. Let me ask you a question. What do you think a parent's most important job is? And my guess is that we could answer that a whole bunch of different ways. What are the, what, what's the highest priority as a parent or your parents for you? And we might say lots of different things. We might say um, parents are supposed to keep kids safe. And parents are supposed to educate their kids. And parents are supposed to uh, try to make their kids happy. And they're supposed to love their kids. And all that is, is, is true. But the Bible says that before all of those things, parents are supposed to introduce kids to God. And it's very explicit uh, in the wider uh, in the wider Bible. It, Deuteronomy chapter 6, this is Moses, the same person who wrote, uh, who were involved in the Ten Commandments, said this, These words that I command you today shall be upon your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. Do you see the point? Parents are supposed to be priests to their children. And kids are supposed to honor their parents in such a way that through them they come to meet God. Now let me show you something else. Look back at the Ten Commandments. Do you notice the two halves of the Ten Commandments? Earlier in our service, uh, uh, Colin quoted Jesus when Jesus says the two great commandments are love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. Well, the Ten Commandments, that, that, those two commandments are a summary of the Ten Commandments. The first four commandments that we've been talking about over the last few weeks, prefer God over every, everything else, uh, no idols, keep the Sabbath, honor the name of the Lord, all of those first four commandments can be summarized by saying, love God. The last four commandments can be summarized as, love your neighbor, like don't murder them and don't steal for them, from them and so forth. Right in the middle, right in the middle, we are to honor our father and mother. Why? Because honoring father and mother is a way that we learn to keep the first four commandments, love God, and honoring our father and mother is a way that we are to learn to keep the last four commandments, love others. Just think with me for a second. Just imagine that you grew up uh, with parents who knew God really, really well. As you watch them, and as you honor them, and obey them, and submit to them, and so forth, ideally, you should be able to see all of the Ten Commandments, not just uh, in black and white on the page, but lived out in live action in front of you. For instance, take the command, do not murder. If you have parents who know God very, very well, then ideally, you should be able to watch them and see this commandment play out. And you'll realize, as you watch your parents, you'll realize that do not murder is about something bigger than just avoid killing people. 
you'll realize that do not murder is about uh, cultivating a long, a lifelong commitment to reconciliation. Do not murder is about uh, forgiving people when they hurt us. Do not murder is about valuing people, not for what they achieve or what they produce, but for, but for who God has made them to be. You'll be able to see it in live action. Or take the command, do not commit adultery. If you have parents who know God very, very well, then ideally you should be able to watch them and over time see that that command is not just simply about sex. It is about lifelong faithfulness and what it looks like to love each other sacrificially over the course of an entire lifetime. And as you watch that happen in live action in your home, you should be able to see something of the character of God reflected in the faithfulness of your family. Or take the command, do not steal. If you have parents who know God well, then ideally you should be able to watch them and come to understand that that is not simply about theft. It's about the beauty of a generous life. It's about loving people and giving to them freely and not consuming them. Now I could go on, but do you see the point? We are to watch our parents obey God and see it in live action. We are to watch our parents love God and love neighbor. And that's why honoring your father and mother is a, just at a crucial point, right at the hinge of the Ten Commandments. There's a way in which, ideally, if we keep this commandment, it should be a doorway to the other commandments. And I think that's part of the why this commandment has a blessing at the end in order that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Because as we keep this commandment, it should open up the other commandments and it should make us make all the blessing of following God and knowing God well, it should make that available to us. But here's the thing, and this is where we need to stop. I need to point out a couple things. First thing I need to point out is what everybody in this room is, knows, and maybe you're thinking about it right now. None of us have had these parents, right? It's okay. And in fact, some of, our, some of us had parents who were monsters. And some of us had parents who were murderers. Maybe they didn't, officially. But some of us had parents who murdered our souls. No grace, no mercy, critique, critique, no love. Talk of love, no love. And some of us had parents who committed adultery. And it shattered your life, and it shattered your family. And some of us have had parents who are liars. What then? And some of us had parents who talked about God all the time, but deep down you knew that it was just a tool to manipulate you, just to, to get at you. And I say this because it's important that we understand that some of us have every reason to want to escape the family and to be utterly suspicious of all this rhetoric about returning to family values. But then I also need to say this. There might be a bigger danger for those of us who had great parents. Why do I say that? 
because it's so subtly easy to make an idol out of the family, precisely because it's such a good gift. Let me say it this way. Parents, even at their best, must never be a surrogate for God. That's why Jesus in the gospel says, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to hate your mom and dad and your family and your own life. Nothing can come before me. Think of it this way. There are two big ways to dishonor your parents. One is open rebellion. You know, um, it's, it's, man, my parents are a drag. And we roll our eyes, and we stomp, and we do a glottal release. <coughs> and we storm away. You know. You know. Um, open rebellion. We've all been there. But on the, another way to dishonor your parents is through worshiping them, which none of us think we do. It's by live, living for their approval and maybe idealizing them or idealizing the idea of parenthood. Because that's when we, in uh, honoring our parents, eclipses the first commandment. Honoring our parents gets fused with worshiping the Lord. And they become a surrogate. And again, that's why Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to lay down the idol of your family. Father and mother, wives, children, parents, uh, brothers and sisters, they must all come after Christ, says Jesus. And see, here's the thing. In, when, I, when I openly rebel against my parents, um, I, I, I'm not honoring God because in some way, probably my, my real God is going to be something like maybe autonomy or I, I want to chart my own path, something like that. But on the other hand, if I worship my family, then my real God might be uh, my parents' approval or society's approval or, uh, or, or, or I want the security and the order that I expect my family should give me. But in both cases, I'm making an idol out of something. You see the point? I can rebel against my parents, and I can worship the idea of my family, and both break this commandment because honoring parents is supposed to lead to the worship of God. And that brings us to the real problem. Wait, Jim, wasn't that already a problem? No, here's, well, yes, but here's the deeper problem. Honoring parents is super hard. And you say, boy, don't you know it. But it's hard for two reasons. One, it's hard because we all of us have sinful parents. They've all failed us. And I, but it's hard also because all of us have sinful hearts. And we have all of us failed them. Right? None of our parents are perfect. All of our parents fail to represent God well. But on the other hand, all of us respond to our parents, their strengths and their weaknesses, in a sinful way. Either we reject them totally, and all we can see is their toxicity. Or, on the other hand, we live for them, and we desperately try to, to, to get them to like us or something. But in both ways, both extremes end up dishonoring God. And, mo and dishonoring their role, and most of us live somewhere in between. So what's the answer? Well, how do we honor our parents well when they're sinners and when we're sinners? Well, that problem opens up the mission of Jesus Christ very, very well. 
Here's what I mean by that. Remember, parents are supposed to be priests. They're supposed to represent God to us, except every last one of them has failed. Well, when you look at Jesus, you see the perfect priest, the perfect human being, the perfect human being who finally fulfills that fundamental mission that is the deepest mission of all human authority. Jesus is the one who perfectly represents God. He's the one human who kept all Ten Commandments. In fact, when you look at Jesus, you can see all of the Ten Commandments lived out in front of you in live action. But you can actually see this one in particular. Did you know that when Jesus was dying upon the cross, he was honoring his parents? What do I mean? Well, the whole reason he was on the cross is because he was following the will of his Father in heaven, God. But on the other hand, even while he was on the cross... He, he was honoring his human mother, Mary. Do you remember that? Do you remember when Jesus is, is on the cross in the midst of his pain? He looks at his friend John, his disciple John, and he says, John, in so many words, take my mother into your home and care for her for the rest of her life. Make sure she's taken care of, John. And the apostle John did that. Jesus was honoring his parents even on the cross, and he was obeying all the rest of the Ten Commandments too. And why is that relevant for us? Here's why. Jesus perfectly obeyed his father to the point of death in order that he could share his perfect father with you. God is the real father that you need. I've said this before, but sometimes I say to my sons, my main job is to persuade you that you need a better daddy and that Jesus died to give him to you. So to those of us who had terrible families, Jesus says, come to me and trust me. I died to give you the father that you need but have never had. And on the other hand, to those of us who have had great parents but maybe live for them, Jesus says, come to me and trust in me. Don't let your parents become an obstacle, good though they are. Don't let them become an obstacle. They were meant to bring you to the better father, and I died to give him to you. Come to me and trust me. And then Jesus says to all of us, those who tend to be rebels and those of us who tend to be family values worshipers, he says to both, both of you need to surrender. You need to surrender your idols. Rebels, you're going to have to lay down your autonomy. It's not freedom like you think it is. And on the other hand, to others, he says, you need to stop trusting that family values are going to save you. And to both, he says, surrender to me and I will bring you to my Father in heaven. Now, can you see how this command challenges every one of us, but also carries a gift for every one of us? All of us had sinful parents. All of us are sinners ourselves. Jesus is the priest that we need. Surrender to him, and he will give you the Father for which we were made. All right. Let me close with three ways to keep this commandment. Three hows. Three ways to honor your father and mother. Here's the first one. Treat your parents like Jesus has treated you. So, after you surrender to Jesus Christ, Jesus will then lead you back to your earthly human parents in one way or the other. Uh, they may be alive, they may not be alive. They may be, uh, they may be good parents, they may be bad parents, but Jesus will bring us all, for some of us it'll be painful, bring us all back to our parents because he wants us to treat them as he has treated us. What does that mean? Well, it will begin with forgiveness. 
if you have sensed the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, then you will have every motive in the world and every rationale, though it is painful and difficult, and you will have to die to yourself in doing it. Jesus will bring you back to your parents, and he will say, will you forgive them like I have forgiven you? But it doesn't stop there. Treating your parents like Jesus has treated you means that you need to remember how Jesus, has cares, Jesus cares for you and loves you every single day. And therefore, Jesus, uh, the followers of Jesus are called to love and care for our parents. And that can happen in a lot of different ways. It might mean financial care. It might mean emotional care. It will probably include some level of suffering. But in the midst of it, as we obey the Lord, he promises to bless us as well in many different ways. So, treat your parents like Jesus has treated you. But that only works if you first come to Christ. But then secondly, expect that God will lead you and teach you wisdom in some way through your parents. Um, we, all the caveats are out there, right? No parent is perfect. And some parent advice is terrible. But we should expect that God likes to use your parents to teach you and to train you. So cultivate a heart that expects that God will teach you and lead you and correct you in some way through your parents and be ready to submit to that joyfully. You'll have to test it, but expect it. And then the last way to keep this commandment is this. Remember that parents are a kind of first draft for leadership that God gives humanity in a lot of different ways. It's the first instance of how God releases leadership to humanity. So that means that in every sphere of influence that God has given you, every area of leadership that God has given you, learn to use the leadership God has given you to represent God well and to point people to God. So church leaders are to represent God well and point people to him. If you're a boss at work, in some ways you should be able to represent God in your capacity. Use your leadership in a way that represents the character of God as well as you can. And when opportunities arise, point them to Christ. Be a leader who reflects the beauty of Jesus Christ. Don't abuse your leadership. Don't abuse your authority. It's easy to do. Watch yourself. But use the authority that God has given you to point away so that when people under your sphere of influence honor you, it can be a healthy kind of honoring that ultimately, we pray, leads them to Christ. And in all of this, remember the blessing. Expect the blessing. God loves to bless his people. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. That doesn't mean all of us are going to live to be 100, but it does mean that God wants to lead us to everlasting life and joy in knowing him. And that's where he's alluring us to. Amen. Hello, everyone. My name is Jim Saladin. I'm the rector here at Emmanuel Anglican Church. Uh, our church exists to see and describe and reflect the beauty of Jesus Christ for the flourishing of our city. 
and I hope this podcast encouraged you in that way towards Christ. If you're here in New York City, we'd love to see you. Please join us on Sundays at 11 a.m. Generosity drives everything we do at Emmanuel. And if you'd like to contribute, please visit www.emmanuelanglicannyc.com give.